So until today, I still apply that principle, which is I cannot leave work until I complete certain sales activities. And because of that type of foundation at Yelp, I was the first person to close a million dollars. And in the four or five years I was at Yelp, I was also the number one Yelp rep out of a growing 30 sales rep all the way to a thousand sales reps and, oh, and wow. we ramped up very quickly. Hi, welcome to the Founders with Pet podcast, where I interview amazing entrepreneurs from diverse backgrounds about their journeys, successes, failures, and lessons along the way. On this episode, we have Zen Lennon from Closed One Sales, a sales automation platform. Welcome to the show, Zen, and I'd love to have you describe the platform. Thanks, Peck. My name is Zen. I'm the founder of Close One. We've built a sales meeting automation platform that books meetings for sales development reps or salespeople or some of the use cases that we've seen as uh, first-time founders. Yeah. We've been doing a few episodes now and I've started to get feedback. And, and one of the things people want to know is how we met. I think we were introduced by an investor. I think that's how I know, know you. Uh, back right. when we were both in the Bay Area and I knew you to be an amazing salesperson. So just for the audience, Zen was one of the, one of the t- accomplishments is that you closed over a million dollars in uh, sales at Yelp. And then also when you were working at Tint, uh, some sort of a social media board that you're also leading sales there. And I was very impressed at your sales acumen. In this episode, we're going to double click into some of her sales tactics and sales strategies. And that's, I think that's why you developed Close One. You basically codified some of your sales strategies into a SaaS, correct? That's right. Yep. Long sales background starting from 2007. And I had no idea I was going to be a salesperson until I was recruited by Yelp.com right after I graduated from University of San Francisco. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. All I remember is going through the training, being taught a script that we had to remember, and then making sure that before we left Yelp, every day we had to hit a certain threshold of activities and that's my backbone. So until today, I still apply that principle, which is I cannot leave work until I complete certain sales activities. And because of that type of foundation at Yelp, I was the first person to close a million dollars. And In the four or five years I was at Yelp, I was also the number one Yelp rep out of a growing 30 sales rep all the way to a thousand sales reps. And and we ramped up very quickly. And I was, I managed to stay number one because of that foundation. That's amazing. So what I took out of that were there were some good sales practices at Yelp, including a script. And then you said, you know, these, there were activities that you had to accomplish could you tell us a bit more about some of those activities that you can generalize that that are in that should be in every sales motion? Not generalize. I'll give you specifically what I they love are. it. Yeah, please <laughs> do. So 
the first thing that we learned, we had to learn was, of course, Salesforce. We had to understand how Salesforce worked, the differences between leads, opportunities, and accounts. And the goal was to convert leads into opportunities. And once you convert a lead into an opportunity, it means that you basically booked a meeting with them. So the beginning of Close One platform there. And every day, we would get trained on this three-pager script. And it was very stringent. Like they wanted us to use it word for word until you were comfortable in overcoming objections or saying things differently in a story-like manner. And that script, we had to make sure that we were on the call for five hours a day. So the formula is called 353. That was until today, I still I still have that principle. 353, you have to make sure that before you leave Yelp, you at least have three hours on the call. And what that means is we had to make over, average reps would make around 70, 60 calls a day. I'm very competitive naturally. And so I would make 100, 150 calls a day and I would just push myself. It was tough. So that's how I knew I was hitting that three-hour mark. And I would push that three-hour mark of cold calls to like four-hour, five hours. The second metric is five. That's five meetings per day. Do not leave the office until you have five meetings per day. So So three hours of calls, five meetings a day. These metrics today, I've worked at a lot, a few actually very, very good startup companies, and they don't have this metric. And so when I see an SDR, to me, when they don't apply these basic principles that I grew up with, I'm like, oh, too bad, you know, because if you applied it, you would you'd crush it with the type of inbound and the type of product branding that you have. Yelp didn't have inbound leads back then. Everything was outbound. We literally had to get leads from the yellow book when I first started. I remember taking things from Penny Saver. <laughs> those of you who know what potpourri is, and I would take those leads and I would input it into Salesforce. We didn't have inbound the way SDRs or AEs. Well, today. now they, you get lists today, already. <laughs> Just call it's these crazy. Lists. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. imagine the things that you could do with those inbound if you applied these basic principles. And then 353, three, and then the three is overcoming objections for me. It was the follow up, making sure that I had a great manager. He was a great leader, actually. He had his name is Pete Hancock at uh, Yelp.com, and he taught us how to turn cold calling into games. And so he would instill games every day. Every day he would have some kind of spliff. Every day he would have some kind of like outrageous, like just something to like make this mundane task fun. So one of the things that he would do is make friends day. So the 353, when you're following up and over overcoming objections, he would say something like, at the last metric, he would say something like, make three friends today. Whoever gets to make three friends will get a hundred bucks spliff. How do you it's prove a, that they become friends? Well, you, you become on, you, you are on the call. You start laughing. You start developing. It's called building rapport. Today, it's called building rapport. Back then, we would just say, make friends. Smile and dial was the, and was dial. the smile and dial. But really for him, it was like, how do you connect with people? 
And so we had to make sure that we were standing up because motion creates emotion. So I was just pacing all around. Yelp. Like I'm just on the call, like yeah. talking to people and trying to understand what mattered to them that is outside of advertising, outside of Yelp reviews. Because when you make 100 calls a day, about 75% of those people, they're going to hate Yelp. So that was another training that we had, rejection. And how do you get uh, disgruntled business owners to basically <laughs> turn them from someone who hated Yelp to someone who will give Yelp a chance. So that was our job was to change paradigms. And that 353 was the foundation that made us so good at helping people change the way they think. Yeah. I'm starting to get a better picture of why you're such a good salesperson. One, you had, you, you started from zero, right? Like sales today, people get warm leads from all the billion dollars of VC unicorn marketing money. You just picked up a yellow pages again. And then two, yeah, you're starting from sometimes, oftentimes negative, like even, you know, as somebody who helped run a a martial arts studio, you know, I had some negative opinions of, of Yelp as well. So you, you basically went through a really hard boot camp. So everything else was easy. Like this was yeah. really tough. Yeah, that's, that's a very good way to juxtapose it because a lot of the calls that we made, cold, cold calls, you'll have very emotional conversations. And so at the beginning of my career, I think the first year of my career, I would put in these hard hours and we'd go in at 5 a.m., sometimes leave 8 p.m., 10 p.m. And I would go home and I would cry. I was <laughs> like, oh my God, I have to let all the emotions out. Because one of the things that um, we were trained on is leave your baggage at the door. Like, don't, don't let any emotions in. So we had to be good at controlling our emotions. And I'm a very sensitive person. I'm corny as fuck. Part of my <laughs> yeah. I am so corny. I'm like, I love it. I love it when people show their emotions, when they show their realness, you know, I don't like, I've always been that way. And so it was very difficult for me to go into this culture where you had to hide your emotions. Because in Hawaii, growing up in Hawaii, you're a very loving culture. You're very like, hug and I love you and what's up? Let's chill at the beach. Like it's very, it's very chill and you just love life. You love the breeze. And, and so going into San Francisco, folks, you know, from Berkeley and Stanford and these guys here's, you know, like they know their shit. They're very smart, They're super intelligent. They, they don't show their emotions. They're all about career, 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 right? Money, money, money. And so I had to change the way I, my, my mindset, I had to change my mindset completely from this chill, laid back person and at one point I definitely had imposter syndrome and I experienced this like am I mode and especially like a gay in the closet I was in the closet at the time <laughs> I was so in like it, I was it was a like existential crisis <laughs> at a very young age trying to understand who I was and the first month I was at Yelp I think I had like 5k MRR that I closed and then second and uh, second month, third month, I had zero, zero. And then the last uh, fourth month, that's when they usually cut people because it's a class. It's like cutthroat. You're in wow. there with like 20 salespeople. And if you don't hit your number, you're going to get cut. So I remember going to Pete Hancock was like, let's go on a meeting. Let's go and walk. We're at third admission. There's a church at third admission. We sit right across the street from third admission. This is one of those malls. 
And I cried. I let out all my emotions. I cried and I told him, oh my God, don't fire me. <laughs> I was like, please don't fire me. And then he looked at me and he was just like, my, my real name is Shenny. He goes, Shenny, I am not going to fire you. You're one of the hardest working person here. You outwork everyone. I want to talk to you about being yourself. So imagine that. I'm trying to change myself to become like the folks around me. And he's telling me, be yourself. Don't, don't copy other people. And that was my issue. Yeah. That was the conflict, the internal conflict that I had. I was trying so hard to be someone or these folks that I was uh, surrounded by. They were just, you know, to me, they're on the pedestal. Like, oh my God, they're so intelligent. I was trying to be like them. And he just had to say, just be yourself. Like, that's it. Don't hide. And so I, I used to like have like this hat and I would hide myself. I was just, you know, I was very sheltered coming from Hawaii. And so that next month, I, I understood what he said. And I tried to like come out of the closet, like as a person, like try to understand who I am again, because in Hawaii, I was very outgoing and I wasn't afraid of people. But coming to San Francisco, I became kind of like, oh, I'm afraid of people. <laughs> I, I and had a so, similar reaction. I had imposter yeah. syndrome and I, I became very quiet. Anxieties, yeah. right? Like I couldn't talk. It was I was whispering. I would whisper on the call just like this. And so whenever I would be on those back-to-back -back calls at Yelp, I would be under my desk. I'm underneath my desk talking <laughs> because I was so afraid of people. It was so weird. Anyway, so we had that conversation. And the next month I applied it. So that's, I think one of my superpowers is I like to learn and I like to challenge myself. I just like to learn, learn, learn. So I applied it and then, and then I blew up, I hit my quota. And then the next month I thought to myself, if I can hit 30, maybe I can beat my own numbers. And then I just kept doing that. So I brought in 40K MRR, 60K MRR. I just kept pushing 80K, 90K. And everyone's like, whoa, how is Zen doing this? Like, I just went from zero to just beating my own numbers. So I didn't compare myself to anybody. Amazing. Amazing. So many takeaways there. And do they any, I want to, I don't want to spend all our time at Yelp. So take us to Tint where I, you know, I also knew you to be a great salesperson leader there. In fact, I think you you had like some sort of board and, and you got, you were in some sort of like co-working space that you got other startups excited because you were crushing it. So tell us about that. And what were some of the insights or takeaways? That was a Yelp. No, no, that was a Yelp method that I applied at Tint. I see. So when they first hired me, they actually weren't hiring. I saw their platform. I was using it for another project that I have. <laughs> Back then, I think it was like juicing or something, juice, juicing daily. I reached out to Tim and I emailed him and I told him about a vision on how we can close more deals, basically. And so Tim, Nikhil Aitharaju, and Rio Chiba were all like pretty good friends still until today. They interviewed me and I had to explain to them like, so many things, actually. The, the most important thing that popped out is the pricing. So they were charging $10 a month. And I told them that their product is meant for 
business owners that can aggregate their social media and essentially embed it anywhere they want, and they can charge $300 to $500 per month. And so I explain that and I tell them, let's prove it. Let's test it out. Hire me. Let me close those deals. And the lucky thing there is that they were also increasing their inbound channel, which I've never experienced before. And so with the inbound channel, with the scripts that I've uh, learned from Yelp, I put together a script, I put together and I applied my 353 method. And we were able to go from granted, it was just it wasn't just me, this was a a combination of amazing founders, their technical ability, their design, their leadership with just the grit that I was able to put on top of what they were building. We went from, I think it was $30,000 in the bank to $270,000 in MRR in less than, I can't remember exactly six to nine months, but it was a fast trajectory. And we had a board, whiteboard at this co-working space underneath Twilio, third and Harrison, <laughs> I think. Yeah, third and Harrison. Yeah, I grew up in this area. <laughs> so, yeah. so many startups. And all the, the founders started like, what is it? Courting me. They were courting me. They were like, let me take you out steal to you lunch. From <laughs> yeah, it was so sad. And I felt so sad because it worked. There was another guy. It worked. I And that was one of the biggest mistakes and uh, regrets that I've made because I, I did leave Tint. I told them, yeah, like, mom, you know, I'm going to join this startup here. They need me more. And so that was a big, big mistake. So failed experience right there. <laughs> But that was a great story. And it showcases like the one, the, the grit that you apply, but also the, that winning formula. Tell us a bit about the script. What are the elements of a successful sales script? Ooh. I wish I can show you because I do write these for my clients today. The first is always, it's always like a five minute introduction All of my calls, I always started off with a respect contract. I call it a respect contract. And you set the agenda. So make sure everyone's on the call. Once you go on those Zoom meetings, I always say something like, okay, great. Are we waiting for anybody else? And if we're waiting, I, you know, chit chat, we talk about life. uh, We talk about the weekend or I talk about my dogs, something personal. And then I go into the respect contract when everyone's ready to get started. So I'll say something like, my name is Zen. I'll be your localized expert for the day. My job is to understand your current workflow. Together, we'll figure out what the pain points are, how they are affecting you. And at the end of the call, I want you all to agree whether you will move forward or not. So you have, you sort of force a decision right yeah. then. And then like, you have a contract with them. You, you basically yeah. made a pact with them. Yes. Yeah. It's because I, right now, for instance, at Localize, like, we're all very busy, And I don't like being busy. I like being effective. And there's a big difference between the two people can be on back-to-back calls and they can never get a call to action. They can never get a next step. They can never get people to do homework. And so for me, it's really important to be assertive and let them understand like, look, I am the only sales rep handling all of America's North, South, and Canada right now. I'm on back-to-back calls. I need to know if this is important to you because if this is a critical initiative, I will spend my time supporting you, making sure your tickets, you're on block, your tickets are getting resolved. 
But if this is just an exploratory call and you're just learning something, let me give you a blog. <laughs> like, girl, please learn. Like, learn and explore, but I can't allocate my, my resources because my time is very valuable helping a lot of folks that are ready to sign up. So I need to understand that right away. It's very important. That I think that's a very big difference when you're working with inbound leads versus mm-hmm. um, outbound leads. Because with inbound leads, you need to still understand, is this an exploratory call? And this is this an initiative? Is it a line item on your laundry list that you need to complete? Or are we just chit-chatting? Because that's a big right. difference. Right. So that's the first part of the script. The body is important. because So you have your... I I like to call it just the respect contract. And then when you hop into the demo, this is difficult because I've changed it so many times. It depends on the SMB versus like upmarket conversations like enterprise. If it's an enterprise conversation, I only do qualifications on the first call. And so if it's an advertising type of platform like Yelp ads, your work, it's transactional, it's SMB, it's small deals that you could probably close, one call close. Those, you can have a, a script that you could follow. And that's where you go into the product itself, but don't present the product as a product. You need to present it as a solution. And so how does that work with advertising, which is so difficult, right? Like, okay, what paradigm are you going to tell them? Oh, like, oh, sign up to advertising? No, the conversation then becomes, all oh, right, I want you to go into yelp.com and go ahead and type in your your name now go into google and search for a carpenter in san francisco do you pop up at the top yes or no they're like no i can't find myself at all i can't find myself anywhere boom that's a pain point so right it becomes more of like we need to figure out the you're fishing for pain points at this point you're not actually demoing the product itself you're fishing for the thing that like you know that oh i really hate this thing like i'm copying and pasting once you find that pain point then you know you have a good conversation you will be able to deliver value so don't sometimes it's not even showing the solution just seeing if there's a pain point and finding that pain point yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then the ending of course always back to the respect contract at the beginning of the call i we agreed you're going to make a decision to move forward or not what is your decision yes or no and then you give them three options of course like for me i always tell them okay yes we'll move forward okay great this is the next step on how you purchase our software no i'm not ready to sign up because there's an outstanding question and those are the best because if you can uncover the outstanding questions, that just means like a lot of people see objections as an objection, like no, like no, I'm not ready to sign up. But to me, when I hear no, it's like, I'm not ready to sign up right now. What is it that's holding you back? And so I'm trying to figure out what, what's holding you back? Why are you uncertain? What's your outstanding question? And they're going to give you all the outstanding questions. And the good news is the more they give you, the closer they get to certainty, right? So you have to think, there's a certainty level. When you meet them, they're probably like down here. You ask them a question, you answer that question. If it fits and align with their goal, then it's going to slowly but surely hit that certainty level. And once they you hit the certainty level, they're going to say, I usually say, is there any other questions? And they'll say, no, you have answered everything. And then I say, great, let's get started. They're like, great, send over the order form. So Amazing. it's a gradual conversation. Right. And if they're not mm-hmm. ready... 
what are your objections we were gonna exactly out the better way to say it is just outstanding questions outstanding questions yeah, yeah. because you don't want them to like just come up with an objection right? what objection, are the outstanding like, questions yeah yeah in and order gonna to think get about to a it. yes or no right so there's three options yes or no or no, I have questions. Okay, no, yeah. you have questions. Give me the questions and give you the answers. Yeah. Now is mm -hmm. it back to yes, no, mm -hmm. no questions. You know, mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Actionable. <laughs> Very, yeah, this meeting was so fruitful and so actionable. And I hope the audience takes it away. I certainly did in terms of how I could improve my sales process. Because awesome. oftentimes, you know, I'm not direct or assertive enough and call, you know, meetings, like it drags on into multiple meetings, as opposed to you're going to be closing compared to me, you know, it might take me five meetings and you're already done. You're, you're, you've sold five clients by the time, you know, I'm on my fifth client, fifth call with the same client. So, yeah. Do you remember just the pain point? Like, what are we solving? And you have to let them understand, like, I am here. Uh, you are here. Time is essential. Like you can take away your car. You can take away my money. I can buy a new car. I can make more money. I do not care. You can take away the house. I cannot take my time back. And yeah. they have to understand that time is essential. You can never get it back. And so this is a time for us to solve that pain point together. Yeah. Yeah. That's an opportunity. That's value. You are <laughs> valuable when you hop on that call. Yeah. So that's where you have to come from. So I hope you enjoy and the, the audience as well. <laughs> this has been fun. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. This was amazingly action-packed, insight-packed call. So I, I really appreciate it. Dope. I love it. You're awesome, Peck. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Founders with Peck. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel. If you leave us a review, I'll be sure to shout it out. And if you have any questions, you can tweet me on Twitter. 